I will say the dark saber went out like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This that is this legendary that weapon, and Moff Gideon says, "Give it to me. I've rightfully won it." She's like, "You haven't won it yet." And he just goes, "Well, then, fine." Crimp. <laughs> what? What? Dude, it was encouraging to get your text, and thank God you don't do spoilers. Because I had not oh, watched it yet. yet. I had come in from a tour. <laughs> oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so you're just like, fucking awesome. <laughs> and I was like, that I expected from Picard from you. Here goes nothing. Wait, what do you mean nothing? But that was from Mandalorian. So Mandalorian I was like, damn, now, I can't yeah. wait to watch it. Yeah, that last, those last two episodes are great. But that, that final one was, because I was on such pins and needles, because I, like we said in the last show, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? Uh, or is somebody going to die? You know, um, we, it's what's true. We didn't know what they were leading to other than broad strokes of obviously yeah. like, oh, the Mandalorians, will they stay together? What's Moff Gideon's plan? All these things were like, we don't know what's up. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know. Uh, uh, there was a whole thing of the, the theory of the second spy that everybody was convinced there had to be another spy. I mean, and we never got another spy. Nope. <laughs> People pointed out that there was a, the spies was a biblical reference. And the, the storyline of that particular book in the Bible actually kind of mirrors a lot what's going on. In that, My. You know, in I season. would expect that from a Star Trek because it's based in human Earth. Yeah. You know, future. Uh, but Star Wars has no connection to us. I've never met a Wookiee. Have you, Chad? Have you met a Wookiee? No. <laughs> Not even in those wild years in New York? <laughs> right. I was in a club. There was yeah. a Wookiee. Maybe I chatted. That's all I'm saying. So, um, so there was that tension. It's like, okay, is when, when Axe, we saw Axe leave in the middle of the battle the previous episode. And I thought, yeah. okay, he's going to turn tide. He's going to turn tail, whatever the expression is at some point. And because even when he, he got becomes, to the ship and he kicked everybody out, say so everybody out. It's like, oh, now he's going to blow them all up from the ship or something. That's what like, I thought so too. He kept waiting, kept waiting, and he never, never changed sides. And I was like, that's okay, cool. And then I kept waiting for the armor to like whack somebody beside her <laughs> as yes. they're flying around. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen like, either. Great. The other thing was too, is like, who, all these people, these people, all these uh, things that the people were speculating could happen to people to show up, like Boba Fett will show up to to help out. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen. So yeah, the New Republic might swoop in to to save the day, which seemed more likely based on things yeah, that happened already. Yeah, I minded some X wings. So <laughs> that would have been cool, but I was also really happy that this was something that the Mandalorians managed Just handled on their own, on their own, which was what they needed for the, yep. the overall character arc of them as a people in the show. Which so I was really happy with that there was a lot of speculation that Mando might die in the season because he was already so much in the background. And and then people, there was all the supposed behind the scenes stuff of like, like, well, you know, know, like I'm just too busy. And yeah. I, I am tired of wearing a, a bucket on my head. So, <laughs> so when they finally, the number one, he's got some great moments in this episode that I've been waiting for all season. And it's like, when is he going to keep some I don't, and, I don't know, even want to get into that. That I mean, second time Star Wars has gone to uh, Force Walls, you know, dual scene, but this one fit Mando and the oh, whole man. thing of him just like going R five, drop the next one, and he starts with no weapons, and as he's kicking their ass, he is collecting weapons to take on the next ones. I was like, God damn it! It was awesome. That, that was Favreau at his best. So that, this good. whole episode was like just Favreau. You know, he he was really just. 
moments. It yeah. gave us a lot of moments. And as a story, it hangs together. It still has questions, but it also hits the reset button at the end as to what the series will become from here on out. But mm-hmm. it gave us, yeah, it was Favreau again, dipping into his deep childhood nerdery of playing with his action figures because we finally got not one guy or a couple guys with jetpacks. We got fucking jetpack dogfighting. We got literally Bo-Katan with the dark saber flying alongside the armor with her hammer. And I'm like, going, God damn it. It's a comic book panel, which I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I want that all day long. I will say the dark saber went out like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This that is this legendary that, weapon, and Moff Gideon says, give it to me. I've rightfully won it. She's like, you haven't won it yet. And he just goes, well, then fine. Crimp. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, and I understand why they did that, because it, 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 it that was another thing yet that yet bolstered um, Bo-Katan's character even more, because she was... Sure. She had some insecurity over whether she was really worthy to. Right. And this was kind of this whole season was her realizing, oh, yeah, I am meant to be the leader. Yeah. Sometimes symbols. And this is also true of the entire arc of the season. Sometimes the way something so entrenched has to change. It has to evolve and move or else you die. You become a fossil. So in a weird way, it's like we don't need Excalibur. Excalibur mm-hmm. is too rigid a symbol and it needs to be or if you want to go last Jedi on it, the force needs to not be just the Skywalker family. They need to not always yeah. be the chosen ones that the, the force finds its way into lots of different people, mm-hmm. which I thought was a great message. So I thought the message of this was exactly that. Like Bo-Katan is kind of like going, we're a new thing. We are parts of the old and part of a new thing. And yeah, yeah, I'm leading yeah. us. I'm going to yeah. do it. We don't need a fucking dark saber. We don't even need the planet Mandalore, but I do like seeing like the, the old, the forge is relit and all that's kick ass. And then I love seeing Mando do an Iris out in an Andy Griffith show pose <laughs> sitting back on the porch while Grogu is, is playing with frogs and not eating them. Again, yeah. Grogu's growing. Yeah. Grogu's growing. Yeah, yeah. He did have some good moments these, those last two. Those two Grogu episodes, can understand yeah. so much complicated shit, but can't say a single word. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, that, that was one moment that was a little bit frustrating, but I understand why they're waiting on that. Because I, I, I now we know there is a season four coming, and it, I kind of like it. Of a very successful program yeah. that's made a lot of money? I have a feeling that next season there's going to be a lot more. A lot of stuff was, I think, postponed in this season because mm. the Pedro was not available. I think mm. that's ma- probably one of the main reasons. And in addition to the, the, the well, yeah, Favreau had to sacrifice two episodes to Book of Boba Fett. It is done. If they're following the video game for Last of Us, he won't be required for much of season two. <laughs> much longer. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Sorry, people. Sorry, Let's, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's that's coming, but yeah, I, I kept thank thank God he's still okay, you know. And, of course. And I, speaking of references too, that last there have been many moments throughout this show, not just the season, but the entire Mandalorian uh, series that uh, seem to borrow, uh, not directly, but but very clearly inspired by the games 
And I think that Favreau has played all these Filoni as well, I'm sure. What, what, but I, you're going to lose me here because I really haven't played that many. So what did they yeah. pull? Well, the last scene, and this may not have been intentional, but it surely gave me vibes of, again, Star Wars Galaxies, which I talked about oh, right. episodes ago. There was player housing in that game. So if you made enough money, you could go and put a house somewhere. But because you couldn't, where the cities were, you couldn't be any too close to the actual game cities that were there. Oh, because, right. But the, the landscape was so huge. There were just miles, you know, miles and miles of, of frontier on every planet in the game. So you had to go out in the middle of nowhere to put your house down. So that's what it looked like. He's out in the oh, middle yeah. of nowhere, <laughs> the single house, which is exactly the way it was. in, in Well, he's, game. A, you know, again, he's on Navarro. Just that was the, the, the plot promised to him again. I mean, the season will still get flack for being very uneven because it, it was, uh, but it's high points were very, very good. And in keeping with all the other seasons. Um, and it's not like they weren't paying attention. Like even if Dave or John weren't writing the episode, everyone was tying shit together. So yeah, they dropped these little things about, yeah, your people can stay here. And the people are like, no, we're reclaiming Mandalore at the end. He's like, oh, all right, but you know what? We still need a, we still need some sort of bounty hunter, uh, sheriff dude. He's like, all right. He's literally a marshal. He's become, mm-hmm. it's Gunsmoke, and I'm all about it. Yeah, I love that uh, Gunsmoke with Grogu. But I do hope, and this is, I mean, whatever. But I, you know, I, I express my my annoyance at how the new Republic is being portrayed so far. A lot of annoyance <laughs> just in general, but it was funny to me that in that scene where he goes back to, uh, to meet with Carson Tiva and pr- makes that, that proposal to him. So, Hey, you know, let's, let's strike a deal. And it's like, we Carson Tiva was on the job, like the first few episodes of the season, he was out there, you know, working the case and trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. He says, man, thanks for taking care of that for us. You know, as they're just lounging around at a bar. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're, you can see we're really busy, you know, like, <laughs> thanks. Look, cops. Am I right? Cops. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, oh. that uh, really took a load off. Thanks, Mando. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that, the, the, my, and I'd already gone over my complaints with this show, obviously the season, I should say that there was, you know, both Din and, and Grogu kind of had that. Well, I guess they're both named Din now. Uh, Din Grogu and Din Djarin. <laughs> That's right. Had to take a back seat to Bo-Katan's story and the overarching just Mandalorian story of them yeah. reclaiming home, which is fine. I, I it was pretty obvious that that's the direction they were going with the season anyway. The last, you know, the, the set was kind of set up in season two that this was coming. But we still but had was, to deal with that one episode, man. Oh, I know. Well, we'll get that's to that. That's my main problem. Let's, we'll get to that in the first thing. But uh, yeah, th- there wasn't much of a, of a character arc for for Grogu or, no. or Din Djarin in the show until the last, you know, that last episode the deepening was a little of their more, bond. And now yeah. it's literally explicit. It's a father son bond. That's just adorable. Come on. Um, and otherwise it's like, yeah, there was that, that one Jack black episode. The, the, I, the, I my don't other complaint, Jack black. I don't blame Lizzo. No, 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 even no, though Lizzo is not a good actor. Writing, yeah. Writing. That was a really dumb episode. And, yeah. and if you're going to, you know, spend your co-star or cameo budget uh, and get Christopher Lloyd and Jack Black and Lizzo in an episode, make it a good one, man. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just dumb. And yeah. I, I hated the droid bar. 
John was like, yeah. I thought it was great. John actually loves that episode. He actually thought it was great. And I was like, are you being ironic? <laughs> and, 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 and again, everyone's entitled. I can't say my opinion is the correct one, but he's like, no, I really thought it was a great change of pace and a, a real nice breather. I was like, it was stupid. It was Scooby-Doo <laughs> stupid. Plot, exactly. The plot made no sense at all. None and I don't like sense. a droid bar because it just makes no sense. So, yeah, you, your toaster gets gets a day off and gets to go to a bar. Like, <laughs> I mean, I remember in those, those droids don't Clone take Wars, breaks. They shut themselves off. You in know. Clone Wars, there is an episode, which I don't know if you remember, but um, C-3PO and R2-D2... R2-D2 once again has like a secret mission or like a thing he's supposed to be doing, but R uh, but C-3PO gets, uh, no, actually R2 gets wooed into a droid spa. It doesn't get more soothing than that, does it? Where they're like, they're giving oil baths and they're like, you have a lot of scarring. You could look like you used to when you were first constructed. And it's droids kind of giving like beauty makeovers to droids. And it's C-3PO is like going, where is he? We have to, damn it. And he goes and finds him. He's like, look at you. And I mean, it's funny. It was, and, and for that, again, I'm not saying the cartoon can't be as serious or dramatic because it was certainly sometimes even more so than some of the live action stuff. But that concept of droids having sentience, which I love, that's, that's sure. definitely a Star Wars thing. But yeah. them going like, I really could use some an oil bath. I really could use a little touch me up over here. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I didn't like it. I didn't like that episode. There was yeah, almost nothing I liked about it. It feels like they, they, they're going a little bit too far outside the lines of what droids are. You know, because I... Sure. There was, you know, there I forget the name of the, the droid that's in uh, Andor. But he, you know, oh, he's yeah. clearly a very emotional droid, which yeah. is not we've we've seen. You know, C three is emotional, so yeah, we've seen emotions from droids before. But but when he the way he deals with it is staying on his charging pad. It's like now oh, I have to recharge. Like you've been charging all day. Oh, yeah. I need. I'm not done yet. That that was more within within the confines of what a droid. He, droid is handling well, his stress droid in a droid PTSD. way, not going yeah. to a bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting drunk on Nepenthe. I need. I need to go talk. Yeah. Plus Nepenthe. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, come on, John. Are you the only person who's ever read any mythology? Or stop with that. It's like again, let's pull something out of human myth saying the guy watching a show where it started with a movie with a guy named Skywalker. I mean, come on. All right. I got to stop <laughs> saying like, there should be no earth type terms in this. What? It's all earth type terms. I should shut up. Um, but anyway, so I really enjoyed it. I was very satisfied. Um, I wasn't expecting huge cameos because one thing this season had expanded so greatly with so much of the Mandalorian stuff and the focus on Bo-Katan, who's a character I really like, played by an actress I really like. So I was like, I'm not feeling let down by no more CG Luke. You know, I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Let's let's dole that out very lightly. I, yeah, I think we almost got too much of that in that second episode in the Book of Boba Fett. It's yeah. like, when they, we, those first couple of scenes we saw, I was like, oh, this is great. And they just kept cutting back to him and back to him. I was like, yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. cool, but guys, just ton, you know. I think we're going to see some of, some of Ahsoka. I think we're going to see some of Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. 
I, it's, uh, oh, I can't it's wait for Ahsoka. When does it start? Tomorrow? Does it start tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of stuff is coming out uh, that I'm, of course, very excited about. Um, I'm hoping my job picks up so I can go see some stuff in the theaters because <laughs> next, was it next week? No, two weeks from now, we got Guardians 3. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, yeah, my, my only other, not, maybe, maybe not my only other. The, 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 I've seen a, your notebooks. I have got a lot more. <laughs> Pacing sometimes was a problem. Yeah, be, be, beyond the characters, you know, being the main, the two main characters being sidelined, uh, there was a couple things where pacing just like there, there an otherwise fun episode where was it one called the Foundling, where the the kid gets dragged off by the pterodactyl oh, yeah, creature, yeah, 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 and they go and save him. That when that that first scene where where Bo runs to her ship and they're fly, they're all flying after, it's like this is cool. But then you know they realize they have to, they, they, it's going to be a, little, be a little harder to save them, so they have to pull back and regroup and and then they have to do the you know the mountain climbing thing and it's a bonding thing it's like look how far din will go or bo katan will go to save like one of the yeah absolutely essential for where they were headed with the the tribes bonding and all that stuff but (laughs) there's like there's no way that kid's still alive now at this point and of course (laughs) the way that i think they should have done it how that big thing eats (laughs) <laughs> maybe it lets that thing sit in its it, nest for a while it just was just funny to me it was like it was almost like i was complaining about the pacing in the first episode of a card where they get the message and they go to a bar yes yeah <laughs> the first apparently beverly is in trouble yeah excuse me like, waitress oh yeah another round <laughs> another round um i think what what made him what might have made a little more sense pacing wise is like they, they do save the kid at first mm-hmm. but they get chased off by the mother you know pterodactyl creature whatever and they because they did establish this keeps happening this isn't the first time they've lost right. a, almost lost a child or lost a child to this creature so then bo could say no we take care of this now we're going to end this threat and then the rest of the, the episode is them taking I was, a little bit longer to actually figure out how to conquer this or i was joking with jerry and and uh john about like the last couple episodes uh or like wherever the mandalorians go but then it's also true of the entire star wars universe I don't know. Is there a planet anywhere in the Star Wars universe that doesn't have ginormous kaiju that are constantly just springing up and eating people? I'm like, where can you go in that galaxy where you're not going to sit down and go, this is a perfect place to start a fall. Oh, shit. What is that? That was the one thing. And that's always always big old lizards and big old whatever is going. That second to last episode where they get chased into the mines by that huge kaiju yeah. creature just appears out of nowhere apparently just for that reason just yeah which they were already going there so it's like i'm not really <laughs> sure what the point of that was <laughs> that'd be great if they just looked at the creature like going we're already going there was there another pacing the problem i was going to i guess that was i don't it. know i think i already i think i already uh yeah never mind did you watch every episode as i know that you did for the previous two seasons wearing your mandalorian helmet <laughs> no Shut but, up, Brendan. <laughs> but that is the way. <laughs> uh, you're no longer Mandalorian because you're not wearing it right now. Yeah, um, I look forward to where they're going. I have to admit that I'm starting to see all of Star Wars. It's like the MCU. They're following that model. I'm starting to see it all as one thing. So even though I'm excited about individual projects, uh, I, it is all just of a piece. So, yeah, um, we did mistake the acolyte for the the one that we're talking yeah. about <laughs> but everything they announced the celebration i'm looking forward to almost as if it's just further chapters it's just 
further chapters, which I like. I like that whole concept. Just like Guardians 3, I'm totally excited for as a thing. But it is continuing to build that huge story. I'm like, great. Um, I can't wait to see the high evolutionary brought into the MCU. I'm like, come on. If you had told me as a 12-year-old that you'd be seeing movies with Thanos and the high evolutionary in it, uh, or that the Ebon Blade of the Black Knight would be revealed at the end of a fucking Eternals movie, I would have gone, you're bullshitting me. Because you only think of, like, if they're ever going to do movies of these characters, it's going to be the big names, which, of course, they've done as well. But it's just like, wow. This is a sideline, and I promise we'll get right back. Um, There was a video uh, that someone posted that was just like a a viral video of a family at the um, Marvel part of uh, Disneyland, and... It was obviously a mother holding the camera, so you don't see her, but you hear her going, oh, look, and it's her kid, and it's this little little black kid wearing just a T-shirt, and the performers aren't there, but they're in front of the Avengers Academy building that's in the park, and you see the kid waving up, and the mother's just focused on the kid, then she does do the thing up. And it's the park performer of Sam Wilson, Captain America, and he's way up at the top. And he he just kind of calls down to him a little bit, and uh, the little kid does like a little salute. And then then, uh, Sam Wilson comes down, and there's like this whole three-minute thing of just Captain America talking to this kid, and he's got the shield, and he's like going... And literally, they pay those people to be those characters. So whoever Mm -hmm. that Sam Wilson guy is, my hat's off because it's the most adorable thing. He's like going, he goes, you don't need a shield. He goes, he goes, are you are you good? Are you kind to everybody? And it's like literally a three year old, a four year old. And the little kid's like, yeah, he goes, then that's it. He goes, like, give me your superhero pose. And they're doing that together. And then the mom is just laughing through the whole thing. She's loving it. And they do multiple poses of like salutes and the hero pose. And I'm just like going, oh, my God, my heart grew three times the size watching that. <laughs> anyway, that's really cool. So we should talk about Picard. Yes, we should. It was OK. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I think. Uh, it, uh, it was almost everything I was expecting that the finale would be. And it was like, they, they were kind of at the state time retail kind of shoehorned him into a, a sort of a little bit of a cliched finale scene, yes. which I didn't, I, I loved every second of it. So I'm not complaining, but he actually very cheekily leaned into it. The, the fact that there was a really strong similarity to return of the Jedi mm. and those final set pieces yeah. To the point that they gave Data a line straight out of the script that Lando, Lando goes, well, here goes nothing when they first dive into the, the oh superstructure of the I Death Star. I didn't even make that. I didn't even make that. Data says the same thing at the exact same moment. <laughs> here goes nothing. Wait, what do you mean nothing? Hang on! Well, I will say, uh, Wink. you're you're at, you actually pegged it. I think that last episode was amazingly great. I will say everything leading up to it seemed more complex. Mm-hmm. So it did make the the finale 
which also a chunk of the finale, not that I'm complaining, is all uh, epilogue. You know, in other words, so they do solve everything pretty quick, pretty easy. There's moments of like, well, we're not coming back. This is our last, this is our sacrifice, but I'm not leaving them behind. And it's Worf and Riker who, again, get the best lines in there. I'm like, them sparring off each other is so great. Yeah. He's like, then we'll make it a threesome. And he's like going, do you even hear yourself? <laughs> That's great. Um, but so they do that while we, the audience, know it's not going to go that dark, which is a little bit of a shame. And you just have the Borg Queen show up. Again, voiced by Alice Kreej, who just has that. Even now, there's just a thing in her, even though that's not her physically in the suit. I'm sitting there going like, wow, her voice is just perfect for that character. Always was. Mm -hmm. I did think that there would be some mention or tie in to the. Is it is Alison Pill? Is she is she a separate Borg queen? It's a whole other breed of Borg. Yeah, that she created. Because I thought maybe that would play in too, because she was, you know, a big part of seasons one and two, but they didn't. Yeah. Rafi and and Seven are really the only carryovers. Well, if you think about it, like and at the end of that season two, and that, again, I did not like season two, but I did like that whole idea of this I new breed of Borg being born from these, those two characters. Yeah. That Borg Queen was from an alternate timeline. So That's it wasn't right. The original one. So That's at right. that point, when they they finally merged into one and they're working together. They go off and they start a new empire by, by building other Borg by willful people who join them yes. willfully. Yes. So it's yes. a completely different thing. Yes. So, but I just thought they could have used that. Yeah. Like that would have yeah. been a great for, it's like, um, I am building my empire. It's like, well, your empire is dead. We're the new one or something would have been nifty, but, but, I, it's okay. It's yeah. it's fine. The, what they gave us was again. It was a little on the nose and and a little safe. Uh, and we had our second scene. This is a little bit of a writer's complaint. Our second scene of a major emotional um, coming together in a a hug in a vague mind space because we had Data and Lore unify in the positronic brain space and then we have jack and picard mm -hmm. like have their father-son moment in his mind yeah where they connect via borg connection mm -hmm. and not that that's a bad device it's not it's just twice in one season is like oh all right can we yeah. find some other way mm -hmm. but seeing jean-luc picard willingly hook himself back up to the borg man i'm like god damn mm -hmm. and i love where they did that nice ju uh, juxtaposition of they have their moments like we're father and son. We're getting out of this thing. But when you cut and it looks very cheery and they're hugging. And then when they cut to the real world and you see John Luke Picard going, ah, he's just sitting there. Bang, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, going, that is it's not yeah. pleasant. It's yeah. pleasant on the inside. But he's like, oh, good shit. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. I mean, I, I got really no complaints and it totally sets up a whole new series that was their whole reason for doing it yeah which, which hopefully actually gets greenlit now it's still kind of up in the air because he has oh, to really it's well alex kurtzman still holds holds the keys to the kingdom at this point yeah so yeah. it's really kind of up to him i guess i'm sure there i guess there's probably more board members or something who have to have to sign on but uh, it would be really stupid of them to, to not just let terry vitalis go and do his thing with this new, I, new show. I gotta say 
one thing at the end also these none of these are these are nitpicks but the whole thing of when you and it's so great the titan is now the enterprise the, of course yeah of course and seven's the captain oh yes her girlfriend that's Man, Starfleet's regulations have gotten real lax. It's like, you know, my first command is uh, <clears throat> also my romantic partner. But that's awesome. And then the whole thing with Jack going, where where am I supposed to be? And she goes, right here next to me as my Special very counseling. nondescript friend. I'm like, what the hell is that? Where it's like, ah, you don't have a job. Just sit there and look pretty. <laughs> I was like, well, give him something. I thought they were going to make him med or captain or like. Well, doctor, he's, he's special like, count. He's like kind of like has the role that Troy had on the original. But I mean, the show. reason you have a counselor is for all those like emotional, you know, things. And that's a counselor. He has no training in that. Well, and he yeah. doesn't have betas, betazoid telepathic power. I have a power. feeling that, that uh, maybe they didn't really, if this is true, they didn't really do do much to to point it out but yeah i i would imagine he still has some oh. abilities left over from the borg thing so maybe what's interesting though is that his abilities were and that was very cool uh the idea that he is a he's not or just a receiver he's a transmitter so mm-hmm. The sad thing is I would not want a counselor whose power is I can make you do things. Well, I don't think you can do that anymore because that, that wasn't contingent on that bit of code that was put into people by the transporters. Mm. And they've undid, they've undid all of that now. Okay. As, as they showed. You promise? So, so I think, I think, yeah, I don't think he can take over people's minds anymore. But That he, was he, very uh, he, Jericho, he be, the new team Titans. Empathic. Who knows? I don't know. Sorry, what were you saying? I said that's very Jericho of the new team Titans. Oh, really? That that's me nerding out. That's very eighties. There was the character Jericho, whose power was if he locked eyes with you, he could take you over. But they went a step farther in the comics. He would become immaterial, and he would be in that person. And then whenever he would let control go, he would pop back out. Um, kind of like Dead Man, a little bit like Dead Man without being dead. Oh, okay. Where he's like going, oh, don't worry. And just like, hey, security guard, what? And he's like, hi, guys, I'm now in the security guard. Doop, 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 doop. <laughs> he would always do that song. I'm not sure. <laughs> they called that Jericho's theme. Doop, 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 doop. Oh, we know which one's Jericho because he's doing the song. Doing the- <laughs> <laughs> he actually showed up in the show Titans, which I did watch the first two seasons of. Uh, and they've just come back. They did work in a Jericho plot line. That show tries to be a good DC show. It tries. Yeah. I like the anyway. first. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had this theory, which I talked about last week, that that maybe they, they might, the chance that they might resurrect Captain Shaw using Seven's old nanites that she hasn't used since the Voyager series, um, which she only used, I think, as far as I know, she only used that once to, to resurrect, resurrect Neelix, which turned out to be a really traumatic for, experience for him. Mm. So, they didn't resurrect Shaw. And once, once it moved on from there and, and she's being the captain of, of the Titan or what's still called the Titan at that point, I understood why if, if they had resurrected Shaw at that point, it would have taken away from her growth as a character in that. Sure. I mean, Shaw served his purpose as awesome a character as he was. And he, again, I, other than just the dropping of F bombs and other curse words, this was such a solid Star Trek, you know, like 
continuum that he was a breath of fresh air, which is yeah. why people want to see him different because he's not the typical Starfleet officer of any kind that we've ever seen before. And it's not being an asshole for asshole's sake. He has literally PS- PTSD and all kinds of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that makes him very interesting. But also he got his arc. He realizes the strengths of those people that have become legends and he follows them and he believes again. And then he dies believing in his second in command who he had been shitting on because she was former Borg. That was great. And now she's just Captain Seven, man. Yeah. Captain Seven. Well, they also kind of indicate that, yeah, he, he was, he did have a hard time with her because of his Borg past, his, yeah. his, what happened to him in the past. But we, we find out at the end when she's meeting with, with uh, Tuvok that he had recognized her her abilities from the beginning, yes. even though he yeah. t- didn't personally necessarily that was, that like was serving great. with her. But he was like, yeah, she needs, she needs to be captain. So she's loyal. Was she's great. Before anything happened in the series, she was already lined up to be promoted. I do love that when we see Tuvok again. I mean, when you get the epilogue and it's all just sort of narrated and like that, it was... <laughs> I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it because everything else would have been so grim, but I love that idea of like, uh, turns out that everyone that they had, especially the higher ups that they had, uh, duplicated. No, they kept them. They're okay. (laughs) Hey, my Duvok's okay. We found him. We freed him. He's like, well, I'm very glad I'm still alive. Yeah. (laughs) There. Thanks for freeing me. Yeah. They, there was only just one little passing line of dialogue that they, they mentioned that. Uh, but they don't say where they were. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. No, yeah, it is. It is that tossed off where it's like, and then it turns out everybody was okay. okay. <laughs> right. I Except wish... for that one. Oh, I'm sure you, Mr. Deep Dive uh, Star Trek Knowledge, you probably did know that the lady who was the captain of the Enterprise had briefly been of the Enterprise in the original series. Shelby. I mean, the next generation. Yeah, I did not know Shelby. I mean, I certainly remember that episode after I found out. I was like, oh, yeah. But I'm sure you were watching that going, fuck, Shelby's back. I didn't pick up on it immediately. At first, I thought that she was the head of Starfleet from the first season. Who says, Uh, or the sheer fucking hubris who's who's giving Picard a dressing down in that first season. I thought it was her. So, and then later I was like, wait, oh no, oh, oh, that was her. Okay, so that's why, and it made more sense because she was, her specialty when she's first introduced in, in Best of Both Worlds is that she's a Borg, she's been studying the Borg for years and that's why yeah. she's there in the first place. So then then there's that line of Picard going, the, the irony of her <laughs> promoting yes. something that's so Borg-like, she hates the Borg. And then at the very end, we, we find out that, uh, that the, is it United Federation president or earth president is Chekhov a Chekhov not the Chekhov no a Chekhov yeah. like the grandson right I think he says like my grandfather used to Pe- say yeah people say I think I think he's supposed to be a son it would make more sense if he was his grandson though because it's anyway so yeah Anton Chekhov it's of course Anton the same Chekhov. name as the guy who wrote the cherry orchard but, but also uh, Anton Yelchin. Yelchin there you go yeah, yeah. what a nice tribute and yeah. I mean that's that is nice i like the fact we didn't see him because no offense to our <laughs> good friend enough of that um <laughs> enough of actors playing their ancestors and their, their yeah their there's there is that the voice was enough and i like the yeah. fact that he wasn't doing the russian accent he was like 
allowed yeah. finally to play a Chekhov yeah. where the, the ancestral accident has kind of gone away. Yeah. Uh, I did. I loved all that. All the Easter eggy stuff. Of course, I'm totally into the fact that they're back on the old bridge, all that stuff. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think at the end, because they're all still around, God bless them. Do you think, and I assume Jordy's gone back to the museum and done stuff like that. Do you think that Jean-Luc is going to go back to his quasi Romulan, uh, time jumping watcher girl lady? <laughs> they, uh, I thought it was funny that they didn't she even, really had nothing to do with the back. End. Yeah. We saw no, her the first didn't. episode, never see her again. She's never mentioned again. I don't think he and Beverly have struck up again a romantic thing, but they are definitely a family, which is nice. Yes. And as far as a romantic interest for the elderly gentleman, she seemed to be posited as that and the fact that she's been watching him, that Mm -hmm. his entire bloodline is this incredibly important thing. And you're like, but she doesn't show up at one of the biggest parts of his life. (laughs) Again, it's like, I think Terry really... Did he just ditch what they had given him? He's there like, were I don't want to deal things with that. He did that. I mean, season he he does refer to season one more often, uh, but season two is like barely ever touched on. In fact, I didn't catch this. I, somebody else pointed this out in a, another video that the Excelsior, which is the only ship before the Titan that manages to reassert control, oh. and then they, they immediately get blown up. You know, when when the Borg are taken yes. over Starfleet, I and mean, you see it on yes. you don't you don't see their faces, but you see them on a little map. All the ships yeah. turn. <laughs> oh no, they've got yeah. us! Oh, please tell my wife I beep, and they, they're dead. Yeah, the Excelsior. I'd forgotten this. That's the ship that Elnor was stationed on at the end of season. Oh two. no! <laughs> so Terry Mattel just blew him up without even. <laughs> that's ah. assumed anyway. It's like wow. The other thing was too is like another. I didn't much care for that. Another character. finger I mean, he no shot at, at season two was like you know they make, they make a big deal out of 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 Q dying at the end of yeah. The, that's you know, the end of that season. But he's just back. He's like, oh, pff, come on, I'm cute. I, you know? I don't mean, th- they're godlike so linearly. Yeah. Which I was like, that's all he had to say is, is like, yeah, Q, he's, he exists outside of space and time. He's, well, actually, we probably did see his, at the same time. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah don't think so linearly. Yeah. Um, that's pretty awesome. He's, like, he's this. He's literally Schrodinger's cat. Oh, so I, I was like, I mean, cool. It's OK to do all that to some degree, but. Yeah, they're still dangling, which I guess if there was ever another season, there are things they could pick up on. And that may be why we didn't get Allison Pills, you know, character back. Is that he's like going, I don't want to deal with that mess. I want to yeah. deal with classic Borg Queen. The, the only reference to it, I think, Borg was Queen came, 1.0. came from Stod, uh, Stod, Todd Stashwick's character. Stod. Captain, Captain Shaw says, like, forget about what happened on the so-and-so. He refers to that ship. Uh, where that happened. He's like, yeah, that that's not real Borg. The real Borg are still out there. Wow. Um, anyway, speaking of Todd Sashwick, I, I hadn't, I didn't really know much about him before. I I've know, seen I, him in things. I I'd, I'd seen him in things for sure, but I didn't know anything about him, but he's, he's a super cool, just nerdy to the max. I read a couple guy. of quotes from him. I, yeah. Where he's like going, dude, kill me off in five minutes. Just let me be in that uniform. Yeah. I didn't. He goes. I didn't even need lines. I would have just walked around and been in a red shirt. Yeah. He was so nerded out by being in oh, Star man. Trek. And I, I saw. I first got started figuring this out when I was looking up interviews of him. I'm going to say, I want to see what this guy is like. And the first interview I found was him. He's on a Zoom call or something with you know his nerd stuff behind him, like 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 this. But he's got 
shelves of toys that are still in their original packaging uh, alongside a, uh, um, a Pac-Man uh, arcade game. Nice. You know, the whole big thing. Total nerd. And, uh, but he, then I found that he's completely hardcore into uh, D&D. Uh, which he played. Then he kid, and Henry Cavill need to do some project together. Yeah, yeah. I love the 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 rise of nerds who are not, uh, who aren't defined by that. Who go on to have like successful careers and other things, but then are not afraid to go like, yeah, I'm really glad that I'm the CEO of this company. But look behind me, I finally got that badass Batmobile, the the one that, that they had a uh, just briefly limited edition, and, the, and like, fuck yeah. I would <laughs> yeah. do the same thing. Get that money coming in. Forget mm-hmm. about it. Oh, yeah. Mark he, Hamill spent that first Star Wars check on Detective Comics number 27. That <laughs> I just, I love it. I, I love it. It, it did make me think of Mark because he's the other, you know, huge, just nerd who serves the the, the whims of nerds. <laughs> I wouldn't it. say they represent us. They're just, no, they're, no. they're brothers in arms of exactly, a kind. Yeah. And you sit there going like, uh, and I, unless you're wanting to follow their careers, you can just sit there going like nerds can do whatever the fuck and yeah. not be ashamed of that because you do find out, Oh, I saw this news article about this is the, the bad side of it. Do you hear about that guy who, um, was a notorious, uh, pack rat and his family lived in middle, like, uh, they're sort of middle class didn't have a lot of money. And then when he passed away, the family discovered that he had been just spending all the money, family money on comics and that his collection is one of the, they're, they're going to be auctioning off as one of the best ever. Like it was, he had his own like bunker and stuff. And I mean, that's, that's not what you should do. Take care (laughs) of your family, ladies and gentlemen. But they're like, going. we knew that he had a problem. We know that he bought a lot of comics. We just didn't know he was buying them of this quality and that quantity. So it's one of these collections where it's like they're in this little house and then like in the garage, it's like ching, 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 ching. It's the end of Raiders of the Lost Dark. <laughs> it's just <laughs> crates and crates. Um, I wouldn't be that guy. Come on. Take no, care of your family. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Foof. Um, foof indeed. Foof indeed. So, hey, that um, doesn't be a title. Um, <laughs> one more thing about Todd Stashwick before I move on. Uh, yeah, he's cool. We, he's cool. But uh, one thing I found out in these interviews I watched of him that and the article I sent you, actually, I don't know if you read it. At yeah, the end, yeah. they reveal that what they're hoping to do with, with Star Trek Legacy, if it does get their green light, that they have a plan for Captain Shaw to come back. Ah! So he said this, both, both Todd Stashwick and Terry Metalis have been quoted saying this. So and I'm like, yes, but then I'm like, wait a minute, how are they? I mean, I, I how they do it doesn't really matter. I'm yeah, just wondering. Don't think so linearly. But but, but yeah, but to Captain you Seven could pop him back in for no reason. But Seven is a captain. It's like, what are they? What is he going to do if they bring him back? You know, not be a captain. Remember, he was an engineer first. That's what and I that's thought. what he loved to do. Yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe maybe he'd go back and to be that the engineer. good di- that dynamic of like, oh. I'm taking orders from the person who used to be my number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a welcome presence. I mean, generally speaking, even if they do some cheesy and say, this is just his brother, <laughs> I don't give a shit because he's a welcome presence and a good, different kind of character. I do like that Star Trek, where they've left it with Picard, which is most contemporary as Star Trek goes, 
is that they are letting it evolve slightly. I don't think they need to lean on much more, uh, you know, adultifying of it because Star Trek should always be, it should be accessible. I, I really don't think that making it for adults, which is kind of the problem that comics, American comics went through in the mm-hmm. 80s into the 90s, right? which was like, oh, we're leaving behind the next generation who should be reading about Superman and Batman. But now it's like, well, Superman just killed some people and Batman is eating children. And so maybe let's not, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe that's not for the seven and eight year olds anymore. But I think Star Trek needs to find that balance. But I do like they're loosening up, which was something that I talked about when I was talking about my idea, that that Star Trek legacy thing I had, my pitch letter that I wrote for it, which I didn't send you, I just sent you the script. But the pitch letter, I was basically saying that it's like, the sense of fun is was missing. The sense of adventure was missing because a lot of Star Trek becomes just sort of administrative. So I like the fact that we have characters now, like, why would you have, I like the way Seven says, I'm out. I'm sure you guys are about to fire me because I'm not the kind of person you want captaining your starships. Like, I'm kind of a rebel, you know, and it's now that particular enterprise is all rebels. You've Mm -hmm. got all three of the main people being people that were not Starfleet quality or or definitely not play by the rules Starfleet. Mm -hmm. That's cool. You know, and that's the kind of thing. Get a little looser, get a little bit more back to an adventure story with, of course, the great morality tales that Star Trek is great at. But just just liven it up because yeah. it, it's pretty stodgy. Yeah. And, and I, I like that about Strange New Worlds, too. Even though it's a prequel, the characterizations there and the tone they're striking. I'm like, yes. Yeah. That's it, man. It, yeah. And it's, it's funny, too, because that that is a, very much a Kurtzman and Akiva Goldsman production, from what I understand. And those were the guys who were in charge of the first two seasons of Picard. So, like, well, I think they, get- they also realized that that tone needed to be. Yeah specific to each show Picard was not going to be done with that kind of tone because they, they were, it's, it's yeah. a twilight. They were trying uh, the to do hero something else. Story. Right. Something sweet and uh, a little bit somber and you know. Yeah. I, I like. kind of get the feeling that because of the, the feedback on the first two seasons was so negative. <laughs> Kurtzman was like, I don't know. Hey, Terry, you, you finish this up. I I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't I think mean, he anticipated it being as huge of a hit as it is. Yeah, who knows? and I think, uh, man, I I'm, I really liked season one, and I enjoyed season two. It's not my favorite, but uh, you seem to think they were like disasters. I the season two, I I really think was was childishly written. Um, I guess we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> man, the first season I thought had a lot of really cool ideas that it just kind of fell apart. In the mm-hmm. second half of the season, yeah, you know, I, I already I talked about how I, I don't like the way that they brought data back virtually just to kill him again, and yeah, you know, there was a lot of things they did with the characters that didn't make any sense to me. The second season just seemed like like a really bad episode of the A Team or something. I'm like, what is going on here, and what does this you have to like do with Star Trek? You don't like any of the stories where they go back to modern day Earth, do you? No, I was I was totally on board for that. It's just that. Nothing the characters did in that season made any sense to me. I have had enough of your stupid patronizing. And 
you know, including Q, including Picard. It's like if, well, the Picard had a couple, maybe one or two scenes. The only thing about that whole storyline I liked, which I already talked about, was the idea of of, of Gerardi bonding with the Borg Queen into this yeah. new thing. I think that was cool. But even there were many parts of that I just thought were, were just cartoonish uh, to the extreme. There, there was some. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, but Terry Metalis apparently agrees with me because he very obviously, very clearly doesn't even want to acknowledge that that season. Well, you says. can start doing your podcast with your best friend Terry. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also just even with season two. For me, there's a lot of spillover still of the enjoyment of seeing these people on screen. Sure. Because the one thing that if you take all three seasons of Picard as one thing, how lucky are we that three decades later we get to return and even at their weakest, and you believe season two is the weakest, and I agree it's the weakest, but even at that, we are getting new stories of those characters and they are not shown to be feeble. It's not, you don't get the vibe of cash grab from any of them. I mean, it could be, there could be one or two of them like going, all right, I'll put on the mm-hmm. fucking forehead for another, you know, like yeah, few years for some money, but you don't get that impression. You just, it's a welcome, uh, homecoming. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Even if, you know, that was pretty dumb. Oh, I just watched an episode where seven of nine and, and Rafi are in a car chase in central LA. I'm like, yeah, it's not really what I want, but whatever. <laughs> At least it's not Galactica 80 where they had flying motorcycles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I brought, the, I brought that up only because we just did an episode, uh, John and I on his other podcast called the action shelf, which is bad action movies. We just did Megaforce. From 1982, do you remember that? Barry Boswick, sci-fi, kind of G.I. Joe thing. No. They're a secret military force. And it was directed by the guy, Hal Needham, who directed Smoking the Bandit. So it's oh, all yeah, about yeah. stunts and and fancy-looking vehicles, which are just dressed-up dirt bikes and dune buggies. But they have, like, cannons on them. You're like, ooh! It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> but it does end with the lead character, Barry Boswick is like, I got to catch that plane. It's too late. And it's like, they've already taken off the cargo plane. He goes, not yet. And his cool modified bike starts to fly. (laughs) He puts the buttons and the wings come out and he flies his bike up into the plane. And it looks so bad. (laughs) Flash Gordon came out in 1980 and the scenes of flash on that sky bike are more convincing the 1982's Megaforce. And at one point he spins it in midair and it's just Barry Bossa going, Whoa. And then you can tell that the camera's just turning around and the mad blue screen. So flying bikes got me thinking about Galactica 80. Um, And that is what I'm saying. As long as Star Trek never gets to a Galactica 80 Mm -hmm. level of badness, we're okay. Did you watch that when you were a kid? Battlestar Galactica? No, Galactica 80, the follow-up. I, I'm sure when I they did. got to Earth, yeah, they actually finally got one there, yeah. season. I didn't. I yeah. forgot it was. That's what it was called. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Flying bikes. I just the thing I really loved about that the the, the design was that of they starship. finally found Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the design oh. of those starships, the oh the, yeah, little fighters that they they flew. No, no. But I like that, old hands down Battlestar was my favorite Galactica. thing about it was the design of the. I ships. think the design of the ships, the design of like the the Egyptian helmet. 
yeah. thing is great. Um, and I like the concept of it. It was just a cheesy TV show that didn't have a huge budget. So they kept reusing the same effect shots over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But I will say it's not fair to say it was a knockoff of Star Wars because the concepts are totally different. And yeah. it could have been good. And then they got the remake, which was awesome. But I thought they went too far away from the central premise. I would still redo Battlestar Galactica, the original, keep it close, but just make it smarter. Yeah. Instead of making it so very different. So different, right. That they did. Yeah. But anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, but, yeah. But I'm, what I'm hoping is if, if they do green light, this is the the, the potential. Star of Trek this Legacy. So great. Star Trek Legacy. If Terry, because they've, you know, they've, we've, we've got Strange New Worlds where that's where Alex Kurtzman and his, his, his people are back in that timeline, Philip yeah. fleshing out that story. There's discovery, which is way in the far future, which is about yeah. to do their final season apparently. But oh, we still no. got this thing that's, that's following, you know, the, the immediate time period that follows what we just got. And if Terry Metallus gets, gets control over that timeline, oof, cause it's clear he has already got a ton of ideas that were teased in the season. You know, we yeah. just got, you know, Kirk's body is in the, uh, the, what is it? What's the name of that section 31? Yeah. Um, base from station, whatever it's called. Uh, you got, got, got Q coming back and, um, yeah, it's I just, oh, please, God, please give him the keys. Let it, let him handle us. You know, I guess well, no you do Nobody get better. the impression when you finish that season, which is guided by him, primarily architect and written by him. Mm-hmm. You get the impression he's Trex Dave Filoni. It's just, it's a guy who, is not above fan service, but he gives you smart fan service. Yes. So, which is amazing. Uh, and I mean, just good storytelling. Mm-hmm. How hard can it be if you're a huge fan? And I say that I've said before, like if they said, Brendan, write a Superman, I would be too afraid. So in addition to being an incredible fan, he clearly is not afraid mm-hmm. to play with those toys. Like I would write any other DC character, but ex- but my favorite one because I would be afraid to fuck it up. Yeah, uh, it's like, ooh, that's too big a challenge. But it's good a- on a Dave Filoni, a John Favreau, and a Terry Metalis because they get it. I, yeah, and I wish that, and they're the- young enough to to where they're not about to kick off. It's like they could give us like another decade or more's worth of yeah, these yeah. franchises. And this is such a really good example of of comparing what Terry has done what Terry Metalis has done in this season of Picard to what like JJ started in the, mm-hmm. in the sequel trilogy where he thought he had all the cool toys. It's like, cool. Look, we can have the millennium Falcon. We got Luke's original lightsaber that he got from his dad. All the stuff's in the movie. How is it there? Why does it get there? Oh, doesn't it's just here. Come on guys. It's just here. That's, that's a story for another time. Mystery box. You know, Terry doesn't do any of that shit. He's like, no, I got an, I got a reason why it's there, and it's and, and, and really even, fucking intelligent, you know. Yes, and even as a smart writer, um, yeah. if it's teased, you get the immediate impression. No, he knows where he's going to go with that. Yeah, that's, it's just not. This isn't the place for it. It doesn't feel like Lost, where which I loved Lost, but every time they would sit there in interviews, going, "We know exactly where this is going." And then they prove themselves wrong where you keep going. You don't, you said that to the, but you have no idea. So all these little cool things you're planting, you have no idea how they're going to pay off. Mm-hmm. And that's a big mistake in long-term storytelling. And it's the same thing with X-Files. 
It's like, oh shit, I guess there's a conspiracy we have to explain. And then season after season, now there are bees. Now there's black tar. What are you talking <laughs> with the black oil? What super soldiers? Please explain. And yeah. they never successfully they, did. No. God, that, that that comeback season was awful. My God. Uh, was, it was good seeing the old band back together. And there was were, like one or two good episodes. One or two good episodes, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, that, that was the thing that, Again, the, the 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 intelligent fan service. That's exactly what we got at the end of season two of Mandalorian, where Luke yeah. showed up. That's what everybody wanted to see. Figure out a way to get to get young Luke in there, and that was the most poetic, fitting way for him to show up. And that's why it moves people. Just crying. It wasn't just that he was there. It was that it made sense that he was there, and sure. it was supported by the story in a way that wasn't gratuitous. Also, that, that's why it, yes, so it doesn't throw and it also doesn't throw any any preconceived ideas of his character or what his life was like into disarray. So it feels like a continuation. And yeah. the reason it's it's emotional is that we're getting a glimpse of what he did after. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Return of the Jedi. It's like he's just starting to build the, the Jedi school. It's like, yeah. Of course he's going after four sensitives. Of course he's out to find Grogu. I'm all about it, man. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch that probably in 15 minutes while I eat a pizza. <laughs> I'm like starting to get hungry again. Yeah. It sounds like a plan. Sounds like a very sad, lonely bachelor's plan, but still. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't revisited, actually. I haven't revisited any of the Mandalorian or Picard. I don't. I, I tend to, to watch things once and then like. Yeah love it and then somewhere down the line especially if another pandemic happens then i'm like time for a rewatch yeah <laughs> i do want to rewatch season three of mandalorian for sure because i i'm sure i probably will enjoy it more i'm not that i didn't enjoy it but that was like uh, you know i'm sitting on pins and needles the whole time like what's gonna go wrong yeah so i want to do i want to do quick wrap up of things that you may not have watched but i know you watched toe tomorrow uh i enjoyed it yes and i was really surprised that it it hangs. In other words, they're aiming at a second season. They, 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 yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to get one. <laughs> Probably not, but I, I really did like it. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that they didn't tie it up a little more neatly. And it's like the, 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 the story is like, okay, the father and son are tight, but the con continues. Now they're conning, yeah. now they're yeah. conning his mom. Yeah. Believing that they never got divorced. And that's pretty good. Oof. Yeah, but, but I still thought, yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. But if we don't get any more solid uh, experiment, really interesting. Uh, season stuff. two of Perry Mason wrapped up this weekend. Holy hell! Do you watch I, that on HBO? No, no, was this is this a read remake of Perry Mason? Oh, you've not known? Oh, no. yeah, season two. It was originally <laughs> meant to star. Robert Downey Jr., but he ended up being too busy. So he became executive producer for it because he knew it was this quality project. So he's the executive producer, but it's, um, um, oh God, Matthew Riss, Rice, however you pronounce it, like the R H Y S name. Um, and it is set in the 30s, like the original novels. Oh, wow. And it is one of the most handsome, as in the period stuff, is, and it's so well written, so well acted, uh, so well shot. And so season two just ended, and it's great. Season okay. one is like an origin story, because it's the making of Perry Mason, so he's not there yet. He's a pretty much drunken 
mess and then he's building himself and his his world and by the end of season two he's almost the perry mason you know both seasons in have ended i was very excited both seasons ended with uh a jazz 1930s version of the original theme from the old tv show so it's so great um highly recommended but season two just ended it's great and i just started on peacock mrs davis i've watched two episodes of it you would love it okay because it's crazy hard to explain did you ever see the 12 monkeys series i never watched the series no so i keep hearing about this because that was Terry Metalis, one oh, really? of the first things he he did, but I guess they was the showrunner for her anyway. It was a, something he was he worked really hard on. Was really proud of. Uh, and Todd Stashwick worked with him on that, and he oh. he was talking up. So yeah, you got if you like Picard season three, you got to watch Twelve Monkeys. It's really I remember good stuff. hearing decent things about it, but I think in my brain I was just like, well, what is there to say? The yeah, movie is all you need. Uh, yeah, and I, it's I, Gilliam. I had no interest in it previously, but now. That I know now you become a fanboy because I love now like I'm a new fan of Todd <laughs> like and you think oh you Todd thinks it's good I'm, I'm in because <laughs> he's so um, cool you know who Titus Welver is who, who plays Bosch Titus Welver the plays actor Bosch. Oh. you know the long running Bosch detective show Bosch. sort of I'm sure if you see his face you'll face. recognize yeah. him he's been usually a badass or bad guy in a lot of things but he plays the detective on Bosch, which has been running now for like 14 years. It was ridiculous, like almost law and order long. I had no idea until recently because John's like, oh, you know, he's a huge comic nerd. I was like, no. <laughs> and and then it just like finding out about your, again, your new best friend. Uh, <laughs> Titus Welver has done some DC animated voiceover stuff. And and I saw him do like a, a podcasty interview from his house. And the back of it, it's exactly like our places. And it's just, of course, he has a lot more money, but it is. It's graphic novel central and action figures. And I just love the fact that he's a dude in his probably mid late 50s. He's probably a little older than me, but he's just being unabashed about, dude, if I could walk in to a Daily Planet set, if I could be a, I'm like, God damn, I love it. It's another one of those guys like I'm going good on you, sir. And actually, he'd make a pretty fucking good Perry White. I mean, he'd be the toughest looking Perry White we ever had, but he'd be a good Perry White. Speaking of the Daily Planet, I, I don't know if I ever yeah. mentioned this to you. When I went, when I was in New York last November on vacation. Uh, first time I'd gone back to spend, you know, more than a few hours there since I moved away. I was wandering around Midtown and went by the Daily News building where I'd, yeah. I'd seen it before. Where, you know, the, the lobby with the big earth that yeah. we see that they used in Superman the movie. I never knew that you could just go in there. So I walked up. I have I have video of this. I'm walking up, oh. video, and I I get there, and I re, you see me realizing that I can go inside, and I was just in awe. Oh, I mean, the whole time I was in there, I'm just like, <gasps> dude, you got to post that. Yeah, I'll put it in the show. But yeah, it's, it's it's so it's so cool. It's and they have got a little museum exhibit there about uh, the history of of the building, and they've got some stills from the film uh, behind oh, the scenes of great. the film. So you, you can look and at and they the, actually have uh, the mummified remains of Rex Reed. <laughs> <laughs> oh hi lois how you doing oh i hated that movie gotta go 
uh, I was trying to read, like, walk the same path that they that that in that scene where Lois and Clark right off the elevator and they're kind of around, circumventing yeah. going around yeah. the globe. I, I I picked the wrong door though when I went out. It's like, oh crap. Swell, really? Oh, so it was kind of natural. But yeah, and then there's a security guard going. You trying to do the Lois Clark walk? That's you need to go over yeah. there. <laughs> And if seeing that globe up up close is so neat, it's like I took a bunch of pictures of it. There's, it's really just Dude, gorgeous. I never made that connection when I was in New York. Again, that was 1988 when I was going to art school. If I had had that thought in my brain, I would have done the same thing. Of course, back then I would have had to have like a Polaroid camera yeah, to get pictures of right. it, but. Holy hell, I would have done a walkthrough of, of locations because a lot of it's Calgary, like the exteriors. What is it? A lot of it's Calgary, Metropolis, but the interior of, of the Daily Planet. That's, that's yeah, they, yeah, they did the interiors in that in there, too, apparently. But uh, uh, of the offices, because I, I had I obviously I'd, when I lived there, I walked past it all the time, but it was always like late at night. So it was, yeah. of course, the lobby wasn't open. So I never it never occurred to me that you could just walk inside dude. and uh but I, when I first discovered it, when I lived there, it was just totally by accident. I was just wandering around. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> just oh, my God. So I think the 4K of Superman the movie, is it in theaters right now or is it coming up? Is I it? think I think they may have for Superman Day or something. So uh, I know they're doing do, Return of the Jedi. I, I don't have my second browser open. Can you look that up? Superman the movie? I want to yeah. see it in the theater again, especially now that's all cleaned oh, up. Yeah. Also coming up is uh, a box set of the new 4K remastered uh, Fleischer cartoons. Ooh. It's coming out, um, I think, next month. April 14th to April 26th at various locations. Ooh. So tomorrow's the last day. Oh, goddammit. Well, I'm going to have to buy a Blu-ray player. Let me see if my state's listed. Oregon. Oh, my God. It is playing in Portland. Jesus. You expect someone would call me. Mm. I'm sorry. I got really excited there. Yeah. I, I had no idea about this. God damn it. That's okay. We've got one day left. Let me see if it's in Texas. It, it probably wasn't showing here. Oh, wait. No, it is in Houston. Sorry. I, I didn't even skip down. There's a huge list of cities. It is in Houston. But. But. Where? But where? Look up in the sky. Who's that guy? What is his name? Superman. <laughs> if you do go see it, uh, I'll be with you in spirit. Did you ever come up with lyrics for the Mandalorian theme? Actually, I did. <laughs> I'm curious to know if they're the same as mine. <laughs> um, let me hear yours first. Uh, but who's the guy going to kick their ass? Here he comes, the Mandalorian. <laughs> Don't you want him to kick their ass? Yes, indeed, the Mandalorian. Mando. Mando. Ah, that's a lot. Actually, the Mando Mando part's almost exactly the same as mine. Yeah, of course. But mine was really kind of just it was a little bit more boring. It didn't have as much kick ass. It's like, where is he's over there? Because he's the Mandalorian. He's over there now. He's over here because he's the Mandalorian. <laughs> It's essentially the same. I know. It's like, he's here. Now he's over there because he's the Mandalorian. What does that mean? But almost any show that comes on, if I, if I watch it enough, I start coming up with dumbass lyrics like that. Yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. But I will say scoring on that show continues to be amazing. Uh, They really lucked out. What's that guy's name again? 
Oh, who came I up with the theme? Some hard to pronounce. Yeah, word. it's like Scandinavian something yeah. like. Yeah. Jordan something. I don't know. Uh, he's he's great. He's uh, such yeah. a great peg. And I also have been watching Succession, which is almost done with its final season. Also HBO Max. I've heard Succession a lot of good is amazing. Oh, it's yeah. a great show. Uh, and actually, I thought I would hate it when I first started it because all the characters are awful people. And then you realize, oh, it's just really well written, even though they're all terrible people. Ter- but, Terry Metallus himself has been singing that show's praises. Yeah. And <laughs> and Brendan Jones. Come on. I'm, OK. You love Terry so much. Why don't you marry him? Do you, Chad Smalley, take Terry Metallus to be your lawful wedded husband? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um but the whole thing is is uh it has a another great theme where it it's what makes a show sometimes. It's in the going, God damn, that's good. I don't really have lyrics for that one. It's too hard to work lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but uh should we wrap it up and yeah. talk about what are we doing next week? Uh that's a good question. We're not we're we haven't a, really talked about that latest indie beard. trailer. Um, oh, that's true. We could dip into some Indiana Jones stuff. Dip in. Um, Dippin' yeah, Dots, know. Ice Cream of the Future. We can well, talk about that. Wait, what's that? Dippin' Dots, Ice Cream of the Future. Yeah, okay. Okay. Have you had that? No, I, I've, I've... They're literal little candy. I've heard about it, yeah. Balls, which are... <laughs> which are... Uh, what is it? Like uh, uh, flash frozen ice cream. So when you put them in your mouth, they start to melt, and then you get the ice cream. Yeah, I've heard about that, yeah. I don't so. think they're great. So yeah, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> Just <laughs> and kidding. On that note, uh, yes, we will talk all things uh, nerdy. It will come up with something. That's what we always do. Yeah, and if, if prompted, I'll talk more about Galactica eighty. <laughs> Duly, See, duly warned. Apollo and Starbuck yeah. were they were too expensive, so they were two new guys. It was like when you got the the Duke cousins on the the Dukes of Hazzard. Oh, see, I don't remember any. So of the that. two main guys on Galactic Eighty are not the two main guys you were following the entire time. However, Adama would still show up with his beard because he now had a beard. Fancy. All right. Well, we'll talk next week. <laughs> um, until then, I wish everyone well. As do don't I. Don't be a Jonathan Majors or an Ezra Miller. Be good Please. to yourselves and Please others, don't. people. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Bye. Thanks, people.